let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Emmanuel Jal was just two years old when the war broke out in his homeland of South Sudan. His earliest memory as a child are of the dead bodies of the people in his village lying on the ground all around him. It's difficult for us to comprehend the devastation he saw and experienced. Entire villages were burnt to the ground. Tens of thousands of people were brutally murdered. Four out of every five women in South Sudan were raped. One million Sudanese became refugees. And one quarter of the entire nation's population was displaced. But for Emmanuel Jal, it isn't the facts and figures that brought him so much pain and anguish. It was his own personal experience. He woke up one morning when he was seven years old and discovered his mother had been murdered. Then when he was eight years old, he was captured and taken to train as a child soldier. He was trained to kill. He was trained to hate. And the child who was a victim of war became an instrument of war. As Emmanuel says, the dark force can make you become like the same people who exploited you. Life would have gone on in a continual suffering and bondage, but miraculously, something happened to change Emmanuel's life when he was 13 years old. A British aid worker named Emma McCune found Emmanuel, rescued him from bondage, and the gun in his hand was replaced with a pen. For the first time in his life, he started school. He learned about forgiveness, and the process of healing began in his heart. Today, Emmanuel Jal has become an instrument of peace and reconciliation, not only in South Sudan, but around the world. He's an acclaimed hip-hop artist, and he uses his music and his faith in Jesus Christ to bring a message of peace. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the inspiring true story of Emmanuel Jal. You see, just like Emmanuel, we were all born into sin's bondage. We've all suffered the devastating consequences of man's inhumanity against man. And yet we have also become perpetrators of sin's cruel bondage. That's the destructive power of sin. It comes to brutalize you and make you a brutal person. Sin wounds you and compels you you to wound others. And when sin takes you captive, you always end up doing what you never wanted to do. But the good news for all of us is that there is a way of escape. There is a way out. Just like Emmanuel was rescued and his life was transformed, there is a Savior who has come from heaven to come and rescue us, to deliver us from the pain and the penalty and the power of sin. His name is Jesus Christ. And when we turn to him and embrace him, he comes to deliver us from sin. That's the message in our sermon today. We're going to see the way that Jesus Christ can deliver every one of us from the pain, the penalty, and the power of sin so that we can shout, my sin is gone. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you for your mercy and love. We do not deserve your grace, but because you loved us so much, you sent your Son, your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to come and live among us and die on the cross and rise from the dead that we might be delivered from sin 
and might enter new life. So come and open our eyes. Give us understanding in our spirit. Speak to our hearts today, Lord, that we might see your light and come to live with you. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us today. I submit everyone in this crowd to you, Lord Jesus. I plead your blood and bind the enemy from speaking to us in the name of Jesus. And I command you to go and I loose the spirit of the living God to fall upon our hearts, to give us light and life and liberty. We thank you by faith that at the end of today, your name will be glorified and your people will be transformed. We ask it by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I want you to take a moment and join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and say this simple prayer after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome to Agape House. I'm Pastor Whitcomb, the founder and senior pastor here. And on behalf of all of our pastors, our deacons, and our members, we say a big welcome to you today. But whether you're here for the first time or the thousandth time, you're also here on a good weekend because today we're launching a new sermon series called Gone. Everybody shout Gone. Here at Agape House, we preach in what we call sermon series. We take three, four, or five, or even six weeks to look at a topic in detail so that the Word of God can go down deep in our hearts and we can gain all the truth that God has for us. And I believe over the next few weeks, as we encounter this sermon series called Gone, we're going to see our sin, our fear, and our bondages gone as Jesus comes to deliver us. If you believe it, say amen. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we print sermon notes. They're inside your bulletin. They look like this. And I want you to take them out now so you can follow along with me as I preach. We print these and give them free of charge every week so that you can follow my message while I preach and you can take the truth home with you. And there at the top of your notes today, you'll see our scripture text. It's John chapter 8, verses 3 to 11, the story of the woman caught in adultery. Now receive the word of the Lord. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one. Sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 
Consider this woman for a moment with me. We don't know a lot about her. We don't know her name. We don't know her history. All we know is that she's committing adultery and she's caught in the act. She's been dragged from the bedroom with her hair disheveled and her makeup smeared and she's forced to stand in front of an angry mob that is condemning her. She went from a place of secret pleasure to a place of open pain. Yet in the midst of that pain, there is Jesus. Jesus is there to deliver her. See, the crowd thinks that he will join them in condemning her, but Jesus doesn't condemn her. He gives her hope, and in her story, we also can find hope. For you see, just like this woman, every single one of us has committed sin. You may be a nice person outwardly, but every one of us is guilty of one sin or the other. It may have been something you did in secret, or it may have been public knowledge. It may have been years ago, or you may have sinned ten times already this morning, but the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, all have sinned. I have sinned. You have sinned. And because of that sin, there are consequences. There are bondages and pain that come to us. For Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. And the fact that everyone has sinned does not mean that God just overlooks our sin and chooses to forgive us if we join a church or if we pay our tithe. But the good news is, there is hope for us. The good news is there is a way of escape. For Romans 6.23 continues, but, everybody say but, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God did not leave us in sin. He did not leave us in captivity. He did not leave us with pain and the penalty and the power of sin. He sent Jesus to deliver us. So this morning, let's take a few minutes and discover the three ways that Jesus removes our sin. And here's your first truth today. Jesus removes the pain of sin. Listen to how the Bible story begins in verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and understand how painful this was to her. She was suddenly shamed and disgraced. I do not think her first thought was about judgment. I do not think her first thought was about heaven and hell. I think the first thought of this woman was how ashamed she was of who would know and what would they say. For this is often how we react when our sin is exposed. We're ashamed and shame is painful. We want people to love us. We want people to think highly of us. But we automatically think, who will find out and what will they say? And this is what happened to her. She wanted to crawl up in a ball and hide. But they brought her out and made her stand up. And they were shouting, adulteress, adulteress. They were accusing her and condemning her. Any hope she had of hiding her sin was gone. She stood there ashamed. But not only did she have the pain of shame, she had the pain of betrayal. For as she stood there, suddenly it dawned on her, where was the man? She was not committing adultery alone. And suddenly she begins to realize this was a setup. This was a trap. The man was just using her to make a political point. And suddenly, not only is she ashamed, but she feels the pain of betrayal. The man was allowed to escape, but she's standing at judgment. He was simply simply using her. See, we don't know why she was committing adultery, but I can guarantee you she didn't go into adultery to get pain, to get shame, and to get betrayal. But the fact is pain and shame always 
follows sin. Maybe this woman was lonely. Maybe she was looking for love. Maybe she was looking for school fees. But one thing is sure, she was not looking for pain. She thought it would help her. She thought it would meet a need. She thought it would fulfill an emptiness or heal a hurt. But in the end, sin brought her pain. And we're just like this woman because every single one of us begins to commit sin, not because we expect pain, not because we want suffering, but we think things will get better. We think things will be better when we sin. And even if we realize there may be consequences for our sin, we think, well, the pleasure will outweigh the penalty. The benefit will outweigh the bondage. The pain will not be as great as the gain. But we are always wrong. For Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The fact is, there's pleasure in sin, but it's momentary. Hebrews eleven twenty five says, The fleeting pleasures of sin. And when we go in for sin, we think there's a benefit, a gain, a pleasure we will have, but it only lasts for a moment, and then the consequences come. And here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. The consequences of sin are always greater than you anticipated. You see, when you sow into sin, you reap a harvest, and the harvest is always greater than what you sow. If you sow an act of fornication, you think it was enjoyable for a moment, but the compounding consequences will add up, and you will be in bondage. You will reap pain and shame and grief and regret. For Hosea 8, 7 in the Bible says, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. And no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, the consequences for sin continue to add up. And if you don't receive forgiveness for sin, you will be overwhelmed with pain. That's the truth we can learn from a man from India named Raj Mugakhold. Raj Mugakhold was born on the streets of the red light district in Mumbai, India. He was raised by a young woman born when she was simply a teenager. She was a seventh generation temple prostitute. She had been dedicated to the demon goddess Yalama at an early age as a child, and she was forbidden to marry any mortal man. She had to go into the temple and act as a prostitute. And we don't even know if she knows who the father of Raj was. Imagine the shame and the pain for this woman being raised without hope of marriage, being raised without any hope of escaping a temple prostitute forced to give her body to a demon god. And imagine the pain and the shame of Raj, not knowing your father, not knowing which man had slept with your mother that produced you being the son of a prostitute he was left to fend for himself and beg on the street surrounded by misery surrounded by disease he was sexually abused beginning at the age of eight life was full of despair so when Raj turned 16 he decided to end the misery and kill himself he drank poison and for seven days Raj lay in a coma. The doctors told his mother there's almost no hope. But Raj's mother, a temple prostitute, a Hindu, in her desperation ran to a Christian pastor and begged him, pray for my son. And the pastor started fasting and praying. And God came down and did a miracle. When Raj was in a coma, he saw himself falling, falling, falling into hell. 
He said the demons were coming to pull him and drag him into hell. And right at the porthole of hell, at the threshold of hell, suddenly Jesus appeared. And Jesus came and snatched him and took him out of hell, took him out of the hands of the demons. Jesus came and delivered him. And when Raj Mugakold woke up from his coma, his life was changed. He dedicated himself to Jesus and got on fire. He went back into the red light district and began to rescue women and children from their bondage and captivity. He and his wife, Anita, opened a church called the Red Light Church. And today they are ministering to prostitutes and children of prostitutes, winning them to Christ and helping them discover that the pain of sin can be wiped away by Jesus Christ. Today, Roger's sin is gone. Roger's shame is gone. Roger's pain is gone. Jesus has rescued him. And I came to tell you today that Jesus can rescue you no matter what you've done, no matter your regret, no matter the suffering and the heartbreak. There is a Savior who can come and deliver you so that you can shout, My sin is gone. He will lift you and deliver you when you turn to him and dedicate yourself to him. See, you need to understand that God is not interested in shaming you. God is not interested in exposing your sin so that others will mock you and criticize you. We believe in the forgiveness of God. We believe murderers and prostitutes and blasphemers and thieves and liars can be forgiven. We believe gay people can be forgiven. We believe drug addicts can be forgiven. For God has come to remove the pain of your sin. That's why Acts 3, 19 to 20 says, Now repent of your sins. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you no matter what you've done, whether in secret or public, whether years ago or just this morning, Jesus has come to wash away your sin, to give you a heart of love instead of pain. You may have made decisions you regret, but Jesus has come to rescue you and give you a new life if you turn to him. And that brings us to our second truth today. Jesus removes the penalty of sin. First, he removes the pain of shame, of betrayal, of the grief of our sin. And then he removes uh, the penalty. Listen to how the story continues in verses 10 and 11. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. And I hear the voice of Jesus speaking to everyone and everyone today, anyone and everyone. Neither do I condemn you. I forgive you. I release you. If you'll bring your sin to me, I will wipe away the pain and I will cancel the penalty of your sin. See, it's because of his love our sins can be washed away. Because of his blood shed on the cross, we can be forgiven so that God receives us as his children. That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes him, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're black or white, whether you're male or female, young or old, literate or illiterate, everyone and anyone, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved you and God so loved the world he sent down Jesus. See the Bible tells us God doesn't love you because you're good. He loves you unconditionally. Somebody say amen. The world loves conditionally. The world says I love you but you have to do what I say. I love you but 
only when you're good. But God doesn't love you because you're good. He loves you no matter what. And when you turn to him, he receives you. God's love has no limits. See, John 3.16 doesn't say God so loved the rich and famous. It doesn't say God so loved the TikTok stars and the movie stars. It doesn't say God so loved the beautiful and the handsome or the successful, the young or the old. It says God so loved the world. And if you're included in the world, you're included in God's love. And there is no limit to that love. It never ends. It will never stop, never cease. David was a murderer an adulterer, but he found that there's no limit to God's love. That's why he wrote in Psalm 13, 5, I trust in your unfailing love. The apostle Paul was a blasphemer and committed crimes against the church, yet he discovered there was no limit to God's love, and he wrote in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn your notes over to page two and realize today that Paul and Peter and John and all of the apostles realized there was no limit to God's love. Peter denied Jesus on the night he was betrayed and said, I don't know him, but he discovered there's no limit to God's love. That's why he wrote in 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins. And I'm here to tell you that when they came to life, they hit bottom, but when they came to God, God's love, there was no limit. And because God loves you so much, he chose to give up his own son. He chose for Jesus, his one and only begotten son, to die so that you could have the opportunity to life. That's the lesson we can learn from the amazing story of Pastor Thompson. One Sunday morning, Pastor Thompson stood before his church and made a few brief remarks. He said he had invited a guest speaker that day. And this man was one of his oldest and dearest childhood friends. He wanted the man to come and share his story. So the man came to the pulpit and started to speak. He said once there was a father, his son, and his son's best friend, and they decided to go fishing. The father owned a boat, so the three of them got in the boat and set out into the ocean, and they were fishing, when all of a sudden, unknown to them, a storm began to brew. And before they had time to escape back to shore, the wind was blowing fiercely, and the rain was pounding the boat, and the waves were crashing against the side. Suddenly, they were caught in a storm so serious, it threatened their lives. The father was an experienced fisherman. But even with his skill, he was unable to keep the boat stable. And before he knew what happened, a mighty wave crashed against the boat. It tipped, and the son and the son's best friend were thrown overboard into the ocean. The father knew he had to rescue them immediately. He began to scramble to get the lifeline and throw it to them. And as he stood at the side of the boat, he looked and saw his son and his son's best friend. He could only rescue one at a time. And in that moment, he hesitated. But you see, he knew his son was a Christian. He knew that if his son died, he would immediately go to heaven. But he knew his son's best friend was not a Christian. He knew if he died, his son's best friend would go to eternity in hellfire. And in that moment, the torment in his heart was greater than the torment of the storm. Which should he choose? 
he looked at his son and said, son, I love you. And he threw the rescue line to the son's best friend. The son's best friend grabbed the line and the father pulled him in. He got him into the boat and he went to throw the line back to his son. But his son was gone, disappeared under the waves. They never recovered his body. The father was heartbroken, but he knew, he knew, he knew that his son was standing in heaven in front of Jesus and the angels. He said, I could not reconcile knowing my son's friend would go to hell. So I gave up my son to give him a chance to be saved. The old man sat down. Pastor Thompson came and finished the service. After the service, a young man came up to the guest speaker and said, Sir, thank you for sharing that story. It was quite powerful. But listen, I do not think it was realistic for the father to sacrifice his own son just to give this other guy a chance to be saved. I mean, he, who even knows if he would take that chance? And the old man said, well, it wasn't realistic, that's for sure. But it gives us a picture of what God did. He gave up his son for us to give us the chance for salvation. And then the man said this, and after all, I was the father in the boat, and your pastor was my son's best friend. Jesus came at the choice of the Father to give you an opportunity to be saved. That's why Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. That's what God offers to us today. When Jesus died on the cross, he knows that our sins can be forgiven. He knows that the penalty is removed. That's why he said to the woman, neither do I condemn you. You see, Jesus knew he would give up his life. He knew he would shed his blood. And he knew that in the power of his blood, every sin could be forgiven. And I declare to you today, you can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that your sins are gone. Not because you do good things. Not because you join the church church or make a seed offering but for one reason alone because the blood of Jesus comes and washes away sin and cleanses us and turns us from darkness to light and from death to life. Somebody say thank you Jesus and if you will come to God today, if you will embrace Jesus Christ, your sins no matter how dark, no matter how wicked, no matter how many, they can be forgiven because Jesus shed his blood. See, if you had to be better than someone else, you'd never be assured of your sins forgiven. If you had to be perfect, you would never have the hope of salvation. But when you put your faith in the blood of Jesus, you can have confidence that your sins are gone. For the word of God says in Ephesians 1:7, in Christ, we are set free by the blood of his death. And so we have forgiveness of sins. There's only one thing you need, only one person you need, only one person who can save you and cause your sins to be washed away and that is the person of Jesus Christ. He is all you need so that your sins can be gone. If you believe it, say gone. 
That's what we learned from what happened in Professor Ajay's class. Professor Ajay was known as the most difficult, strictest professor in the whole nation, much less at that university. In fact, his examinations were so tough, no one in history had ever scored 100% on Professor Ajay's exams. So you can imagine when examination time came, the students were quivering and shaking and wondering what to do. I mean, how could they possibly study and prepare? After all, he had given them hundreds of pages of notes filled with details complex and difficult to understand. He'd assigned them to read three or four very, very big, thick volumes with doctrines and data so difficult, no one could finish it all. And so they didn't know how any of them could succeed. But surprisingly, on the day before the big exam, Professor Jake made one concession to the students. He stood and said, this is what I'm going to do for this year. I'm going to allow everybody to bring one A4 sheet into the examination hall. Whatever information you can fit on top of that sheet, uh, you can use it to help you with the exam. Well, the students were overjoyed and excited. This was their opportunity for a breakthrough. And so they took their A4 sheet and started writing very small. They wanted to put lots of detail on the paper, everything, as much as they could, even though it would not be all the information, they hoped it would be enough. And so the day came for the exam, and all the students came with their A4 sheet, crammed with writing, very small, except for Kofi. When Kofi came to the examination hall, his A4 sheet was blank, blank. Kofi, what is wrong with you? Hey. Everybody was wondering what Kofi would do. His page was blank. But when the exam was about to start, Kofi took his blank A4 sheet and put it on the ground. He went to the door and opened it and brought someone in. It was the teaching assistant. Then he made the teaching assistant stand on the paper. The teaching assistant knew all the questions because he had helped prepare the exam. He knew all the answers. So when the exam started, Kofi would ask him, what's the answer to this? And he would tell him. When the other students saw this, they said, hey, Kofi, what in? They were complaining to Professor Ajay, it's not fair, it's not fair. Kofi's students say, sir, you told us we could bring and use all the information we could fit on top of an A4 sheet. <laughs> the teaching assistant is on top of the A4 sheet, and I'm using his information. And that's how Kofi outsmarted Professor Ajay and became the first student in history to score 100%. And that's why I'm here today to tell you the one and only thing you need is Jesus. It's not what you know, it's who you know. You may think you need more money. You may think you need more breakthrough. You may need you think more things or more possession. But there's only one thing you need, and that is Jesus. He's the answer to your problem. He's the deliverer from sin. He's the savior. He's the one who can break the pain and break the penalty and bring you new life. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. And that brings us to our third truth today. Jesus removes the power of sin. Listen again to how the story ends in verse 11. Jesus told the woman, go now and leave your life of sin. And understand what is happening today. Jesus is not condemning her, but he loves her too much to leave her in her sin. And the same thing is true for you. God is not condemning you, but he loves you too much to leave you in your sin. You see, if you go back to 
sin, then the pain begins again and the penalty comes again and the power of sin overwhelms you. If you're forgiven today, but tomorrow you go back to sin, then the bondage and the suffering starts to come again. And Jesus wants to not only forgive you today, he wants to move in your life so that you will be forgiven and live in freedom. And if Jesus said to this woman, go, leave your life of sin, it means it was possible. It was possible for an adulteress to change. It was impossible. It was possible for her to live a new life. And if it was possible for her, it is possible for you today. You may be a drug addict, but it's possible to have the addiction broken. You may be an alcoholic. You may be an adulterer, a fornicator, a masturbator. You may be caught with pornography or lying or stealing or blasphemy. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus can break the power of sin and you can go and leave your life of sin. For that's why Jesus came. Matthew 1.21 says, you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The reason Jesus came was to bring you out of sin. And when you come to him and surrender to him, his presence and his power will free you from the pain, the penalty, and the power of sin. In just a minute, I'm going to give anyone and everyone in this room the opportunity to make that decision, to come to Jesus and embrace him and to see your sin gone. But before I give you that offer, I want to tell you one more truth you need to pack up and take home with you, and it's this. The presence of Jesus brings you out from bondage. The presence of Jesus is what delivers you from sin. You don't get free from sin by joining a church, joining a choir, putting on a type of garment. You don't get free from sin by going to a prayer camp or getting a prophecy from a man of God. You don't get free from sin by making a seed offering. There is only one thing that can break the power of sin, and that's the presence of Jesus. But when his presence comes, you are sheltered, surrounded, and you have the opportunity for life. That's the lesson we can learn from the ferry disaster in Tanzania. On September 20th, 2018, a ferry was carrying passengers and cargo across Lake Victoria in Tanzania, when suddenly, as it was just 50 meters from the dock, the people had come up on deck waiting to disembark. For some reason, the captain turned the ship sharply to the left. And when he did that, the ferry turned and tilted. It lurched to the side, and the people standing on deck waiting to disembark were thrown into the water. Then the boat tipped the other way and capsized. 228 people died in the accident. But the most miraculous escape was from the engineer, a man named Alphonse Cherahani. He survived the accident, not by jumping overboard and swimming to the shore, but he went down below the deck into the engine room. You see, when the boat capsized, the engine room became an airtight, sealed compartment. It had enough air for him to live. And when the engineer Alphonse went into the engine room, he had a bubble of air that protected him and kept him alive. There was water all around him, but the air inside kept him alive. He was insulated from the impact of the destruction. Others drowned, but he survived. And in the same way, we live in a world that is so dark and evil. We live in a world that's filled with sin. Step outside our compound and it's all around us. But when you belong to Jesus, he comes to shelter you. 
He comes to protect you. He comes to cover you. He comes to give you forgiveness and to give you life. Jesus doesn't just forgive you and then leave you to struggle against the next temptation. Jesus removes the pain of sin, the penalty of sin, and removes the power of sin. He died and rose again so that you could belong to him and have life. That's why Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong, somebody say belong, to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You can be free today. It's simply coming to Jesus, belonging to him. The pain, regret of your past can be gone. The penalty of your judgment will be gone. The power of those besetting habits, broken, gone, when you belong to Jesus. It's simple. First of all, just admit you're a sinner and ask God to forgive you. You can't get forgiveness if you cover your sin. You have to stand up and say, Lord, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. For 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Then secondly, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by your own effort, but it's by him. For Acts 16, 31 says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Then three, commit yourself to God. For Acts 2.38 says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Leave that life and come belong to Jesus. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the opportunity, the choice before everyone and anyone today. Would you stand your feet all across the auditorium in the back, on the sides of the balcony? We're going to take a moment and pray, and I'm going to extend an invitation to everyone today. Would you just... Close your eyes and bow your head as we're in the presence of the Lord right now. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. Minister to us. Offer us the lifeline today and let us by faith receive it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to come upon each and every one of us. And Lord, move in our lives. Deliver us from the power, the pain, and the penalty of sin with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer, if you want Jesus to deliver you, if you want to belong to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right now? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, my daughter. Thank you, my daughter. Thank you, my son. Right now, all across the auditorium, just raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you, every one of you. I want to pray for you personally. And if your hand is raised right now, I would ask you to please come forward. I invite you to come and join me here. From the balcony, would you please come? From the back, would you please come? Just face me this side from the side over there would you come come on let's clap for them we love you we want you here we want you there's new life there's new hope there's deliverance you can be rescued you can be free come on down from the balcony come on and clap for them cheer for them come on and give the Lord some praise hallelujah all across the auditorium on the left the right in the way back way back by the courtyard can you come right now in the balcony we'll give you just a minute God bless you God bless you give it up for them give it up for them God bless you hallelujah 
Today marks the day when Jesus is coming to change you. The pain of your sin will be healed and the penalty of your sin will be wiped away and the power of sin will be broken in you because there is a Savior named Jesus. He died on the cross that you can be forgiven. He came to set you free and give you new life. Somebody say Jesus. So I invite everybody all across the room, would you lift your hand and say this prayer after me right now. Pray from your heart. Pray with your voice out loud. Dear God. Dear God. I come to you. I come to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. I ask you to save me today. I ask you to save me today. I confess. I confess. That I've sinned against you. That I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. To be called your child. To be called your child. Please forgive all my sins. Please forgive all my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ. Is your son. Is your son. I believe. I believe that he died on the cross. That he died on the cross. And rose from the dead. And rose from the dead. So that I might be saved. So that I might be saved. I ask you. I ask you to come into my heart. To come in my heart. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Make me born again. Make me born again. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. And promise to obey and you. And promise to obey you. And follow you. And follow Save me from sin. Save me from sin. Deliver me from the devil. Deliver me from the Heal devil. Heal me. Heal me. And fill me today. And fill me today. I thank you now by faith. I thank you now by faith. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for each and every one of these who've come forward today. I ask you to move in them by the power of your Holy Spirit. I submit them to you, Satan and demon powers. I break every bondage and every chain, and I command you to flee from them. Oh, Lord, come and send down your spirit. Let them be born again today. Wash away their sin. Wash away their stain. Give them new life. I bless them today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.